Well, out. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Uh, I think we'll call this uh, meeting to order. Uh, it's the 20th meeting of the committee. Uh, there's two people missing tonight, uh, which may come later. I think Ms. Thomas is ill tonight, so she won't be here. Um, Shirley, would you uh, please make your usual announcements? Yes. Um, if you have a cell phone, if you could turn it to the silent position. The agendas and speaker slips are located in the back of the room. If you wish to speak, please complete one and turn the speaker slip and turn it into the assistant clerk here at the front. We have assisted listening devices, should anyone need them. This meeting is being video streamed and can be accessed from the city's website on the city's homepage. Shirley, I think we're ready for a roll call and your determination as to whether we have a quorum. Okay. Um, Joanne Fuller? Here. Cecily Hastings? Here. Gretlin Johnson? Alan LaFasso? Here. Robert Murphy? Here. Chester Newland? Here. Chris Tapio? Here. John Taylor? Here. Tina Thomas? Jay Wisham? Here. And Chair Edgar? I'm here. We do have a quorum. Thank you. Uh, Patty, Mark, Matt, do we have any staff comment? Chair Edgar, Mark Prestwich, we do have several additional materials that I want to make sure that you have a copy of. First, uh, there is correspondence from Rick Bettis. This is related to agenda item number two, as well as an Oakland Tribune article on ranked choice voting, also related to agenda item number two provided by Member Fuller. Uh, related to item Three is a flyer that we've distributed that you've received before. It's from fairvote.org, and it explains the instant runoff voting process. Additionally, Member LaFasso has provided an outline along with three, doc three additional documents that are embedded in that outline that we will be distributing to you shortly. And in addition to that, uh, a document that he's prepared entitled, Where Do We Go From Here?, which relates to agenda item number five. Also wanted to remind you that we've adjusted the schedule for this committee, and your next meeting will be held on Tuesday, January 5th at 6 p.m. Okay, thank you. I think we're ready for, well, let's see. Uh, the next item on the agenda is the committee member report out item. Uh, this is the item where committee members report on the meetings they've attended or speeches they've given. Uh, are there any reports out this evening? Uh, Ms. Hastings. Alan and I go Wednesday afternoon to the Asian Chamber of Commerce. Okay. Great. Anything else? Okay. Thank you. I think we're members. We're on item number one, the minutes. Um, are there any corrections, additions, modifications? If not, I'd like to have a motion and a sec to approve the minutes, please. Chair Edgar, I do have one notation okay. for the minutes. Um, it should be noted that Member Johnson was absent for that entire meeting, and he's referenced as, as part of the vote in the minutes, so that needs to be corrected. Okay. Anything else? Okay, could I have a motion to approve the minutes as amended? Yeah, move that. Okay. Moved by... Moved and seconded. All in favor? Opposed? Minutes are approved. Um, 
Okay, item two, Mark, could you go over the correspondence again and any uh, related items? Because a lot of this correspondence relates to items that are on the agenda uh, itself. Um, please. There are several pieces of correspondence. Uh, there is a email from SILIC that is identified in the the original agenda materials posted on the website, and three pieces of correspondence provided by Lindsay. We've identified those as Lindsay 1, Lindsay 2, and Lindsay 3. And then in addition to that, this evening, you've received some correspondence um, that was sent this afternoon from Rick Bettis, and also an article on ranked choice voting provided by Member Fuller. And that was uh, related to uh, San Leandro? Yes. Okay. All right, everybody have those? Are there any questions on that so far? Mr. Dr. Newell. Well, mine was earlier. I just didn't turn it off. Okay. Okay, is there anything else you want to, we need to say about the correspondence at this point? Okay. Um, all right, we're on item number three, members, and um, I've asked the staff to give a little refresher course on IRV for the members' benefit before we actually get into the discussion. Mark, can you proceed with that, please? Sure. We wanted to borrow from uh, some other sources, and so what we've done is provide you with a copy of the Make Your Vote Count flyer. That's the blue and white flyer that was distributed several meetings ago when we first addressed ranked choice voting, instant runoff voting. This was provided by fairvote.org. And at the time, uh, a, the staff provided you a short video clip that was also provided by fairvote.org. Uh, this evening, what we'd like to do is provide you a short video clip that is slightly different, prepared by Minnesota Public Radio. It'll be about a minute and a half long. Uh, but if you take a look at the backside of this flyer, there is a summary of instant runoff and how it works. And what they've done is provide you an example of three candidates and walk you through the process of uh, instant runoff voting and why proponents believe it is a, a strategy that should be considered by cities um, in moving to a different type of electoral system. What I'd like to do now is play for you a short video which hopefully will reacquaint you with the process. And if you have any other questions, staff is available to try to answer those for you. Thank you, Mark. Vote for your favorite color. The instant runoff way. Instead of voting for just one color, you get to rank your top three. Well, purple is the best, but if I can't have purple, then I want blue. And if neither of those wins, then I guess I could live with yellow. Now let's count up everybody's votes. Under instant runoff rules, it's not enough just to get the most votes. You need a majority. More than 50% of the votes. So, purple's ahead, but it only has seven votes. It needs at least 11 to win. So we eliminate whoever's in last place. Sorry, yellow fans. We're going to your second choice. Two more for pink. One for purple. But no one has 11 votes yet. Still no majority. Bye-bye, blue. Three for purple. 
two for pink. And we have a winner. The instant runoff way. So that is your short and sweet summary of instant runoff voting. <laughs> All right. Is there are there any comments? Any? Okay. I think we ought to take testimony at this point since there are some some questions from the audience. Um, Mr. Wolf, Greg Wolf. After that, Mr. Taylor. Hi, my name is Greg Wolf. I'm a software developer and a um, voting system enthusiast. I've been studying many voting systems for several years. And instant runoff voting is about the worst one you could possibly choose of them all. Uh, and so I'm here to talk opposing to instant runoff voting. So I want to first talk about the idea of getting rid of runoffs. If you get rid of runoffs and you do an instant runoff, which is what many of the advocates for instant runoff voting are proposing, um, you lose the benefit of a real runoff where you actually get to consider the actual uh, candidates who are still there. And there is a recent uh, San Francisco uh, council member election where this is illustrated quite well. You just have to search and read about uh, Ed Jew, where it turned out that he did not live in the, um, <coughs> in the district and was found uh, to be uh, accepting bribes. Now, when he ran, there were, I think, seven candidates. And he wasn't scrutinized that carefully. Yeah, had there been a real runoff, had there been only two candidates, I'm quite confident the media would have dug a little bit more into him and they might have found some of this up front before he got elected. Uh, second, uh, you just saw a video about instant runoff voting. What they didn't show you is what happens when someone's votes are exhausted. So they talked about instant runoff voting there where you only rank three candidates. So first off, not everyone's going to actually rank all three unless you force them to and disregard their vote if they don't, which is a problem. If they do rank all three, they could still have their ballots exhausted. So suppose there are seven candidates. Um, you, <coughs> you could have your three votes that you ranked all be for candidates who are eliminated, and then you did not actually count. That means that the majority that you get when the election is finished is a false majority. It doesn't, there's no guarantee that it will actually be 51% or 50% plus of the people who voted in the first place because someone will be exhausted. It's also very easy to spoil your, your ballot in, by marking it in a way that would not be valid with instant runoff voting. I think San Francisco saw a seven times increase in the number of spoiled ballots uh, when they compare their instant runoff voting versus their non-instant runoff voting elections. Um, it's also a nightmare in terms of election integrity. Uh, in order to, to count the ballots, you have to coordinate centrally or actually take the ballots to a central place. If you don't do that, uh, with, with most other voting systems, you could count at the precinct level, and you could just add up what the precinct level counts were. With instant runoff voting, you can't do that because you basically have to cover every single permutation, which means if there is N, that would be N exclamation point. And hopefully you remember your, your uh, high school mathematics. Um, and that, would, that, that could combinatorially get very large. If you had, uh, it's like a nightmare situation. I suppose you had 83 candidates. Was that what, what Schwarzenegger had when he won? Suppose that was instant runoff voting. You'd have to actually rank all 83. And when it comes to eliminating, you have to one by one eliminate the candidates, and you have to gather all the ballots in one place, essentially, to do that. Otherwise, each individual precinct would have to count all combinations 
which is 83 Bing, which is, you know, a ridiculously large number. It would be too high to, to communicate. Any other voting system like plurality like you use right now, you could just sum up in precincts and add together. Um, it also is not very good at choosing election winners. What tends to happen is it gets biased towards uh, extremists and reinforces the, the two-party property. It, it basically lets uh, third parties be ignored because they can't cause any harm until the third party gets uh, enough support that they become, you know, essentially get a situation where there's three parties of equal strength, and then it's extremely volatile, and it could easily switch from one election, uh, from one winner to another, even in many ways that are paradoxical. You could have situations where if you, um, if you convince more people to vote for you, that could cause you to lose when you would have won had they not done that. It's called a participation failure, I believe. There's a lot of um, paradoxes and, and things that go very wrong in instant run of voting. Um, the cost savings that many people argue about, I think, is an illusion in part because uh, you have to do voter education. You have to print ballots that include uh, a lot more uh, space for people to mark uh, candidates, and you have to get your election equipment certified. I think that makes the cost saving at least somewhat illusory. It's not my main focus. Uh, if it was a good election method, I would not be opposed to it based upon cost saving issues. But I just think it's a very poor election method. Uh, also, strategy, people argue you can just honestly rank how you believe your candidates should be positioned. That turns out not to be true. If You could definitely strategically vote just like you could in plurality. All you have to do is bury whoever you think is um, of the top two uh, candidates, the one you like least, bury them, put them rank last, or don't rank them at all. Uh, even if you're ranking people that you dislike much more who were not real contenders above them because you want to try to force them to get eliminated first or to get eliminated early. That's all my comments. Uh, Mr. Lofaso. Sir, I just want to ask you one question. Yes. Uh, when you said there were increases in spoiled ballots in San Francisco, can you be more precise? what a spoiled ballot is in that context and how it was spoiled? I would have to do some research to dig that up. Um, but the numbers I saw were that, um, what I'm not 100% sure of is, is it entirely spoiled or is just some of the choices in the ballot spoiled? And I'd have to double check to see what that is. But basically, there's a lot more places where you can mark the ballot and a lot more ways you can mark the ballot incorrectly. So for example, in San Francisco, I used to live in San Francisco when they had ranked choice voting. Uh, it lets you rank uh, three candidates and show a column for each one. If you fill two bubbles in one, that's a way of spoiling it. If you um, skip the column, that's a way of spoiling it. If you rank someone you'd already ranked in one of the columns, that's a way of spoiling it. Some of these, there's ways where you could uh, decide how you're going to behave in that case. For example, you might decide if there's two that are ranked there, you just ignore that one and move on to the next one. But uh, all these ways are ways that you could, as a voter, incorrectly mark the ballot. And that's also... Um, uh, going to tend to make promoters of election machines say that, oh, well, if you have an election machine, then they're going to be less likely to spoil it because you're going to detect that up front. And then uh, it's, uh, in my opinion, a gateway of trying to get people to use uh, voting machines, which also have very poor election properties, election integrity properties. Thank you. Um, Mr. Wolf, could I ask you a question, please? Yes. Um, as I understood your testimony, there are basically two problems that you see with the IRV. The first is you can't really um, achieve the theoretical results because you can't force people to, to vote for all three candidates and their spoiled ballots. And then there's a whole raft of implementation problems that you've seen 
in this situation. Is that fair? Um, I don't think that represents it. I had about six points that I mentioned. Okay. Why um, don't you articulate those? Sure. So uh, this might not be in the same order as I said earlier, but one of them is that there is a value to a real runoff unless you consider the candidates carefully. And if you have a large field of candidates up front, you may not have considered them as carefully. And uh, the example I gave regarding that was Ed Jew in one of the San Francisco uh, district elections uh, fairly recently. Uh, another of them was the election integrity issues, which uh, to me is not an implementation detail. To me, the, uh, uh, the vote is something that you have to convince people was valid. So it's not a technicality. To me, it, it, it matters very much. And with instant round of voting, because you cannot have a precinct level count, that makes the election integrity properties much worse. You cannot have a publicly observed count unless all the ballots are shipped together into one place. And that makes the chain of custody and the public's ability to confirm that the chain of custody is valid much tougher. Um, so that's a transparency issue then? Yes. As far as you're concerned? Yes. Mm -hmm. And it is addressable, but um, not any of the implementations that people are considering or using. Um, the next one is there's a false majority. It claims to get a majority, but even that example you just saw right there, if you notice there was yellow papers underneath several of the other ones, had uh, someone's second choice been yellow, that would have been eliminated right away and gone on to the third choice. Had they run out of choices, either because they could not vote more because you're only going to let them rank three, or because they did not rank more, or because their ballot was spoiled in some manner and, and it only was valid up to a certain point, then that voter would not be in the final round. And so they would not be considered part of that quote-unquote majority. It's a majority of the continuing ballots is what often the language will say. Um, Another one is it's poor choosing election winners, and uh, I didn't really explain that very carefully, but uh, it has many, many paradoxes. Most voting systems have some paradox of some sort. It's very hard to find one that, that is going to be perfect in that regard. Plurality, what we have right now, also has paradoxes. You have the spoiler effect. You have you know, Ralph Nader in, in the Gore-Bush election, for example. Um, instant run of voting uh, issues like that are much worse than plurality, in my opinion. So it's, it's a disimprovement rather than improvement. Um, And then I, the co I argued that the cost savings is illusionary, uh, that it has the effect of uh, strengthening a two-party system and making third parties irrelevant because there's no longer a fear that they're going to spoil the election because they'll just be knocked right out um, and increases the probability of spoiled ballots. And I, and I said it was about seven times. I'll try to find some uh, evidence of that and uh, send that on to you. Uh, those are my points. Thank you. Okay. Mr. Taylor. My comments will be very brief. I have to admit I'm a latecomer to the ranked choice uh, concept, but I wanted to say I think it's probably the most truly representative form of voting, uh, expressing the will of people. I would also say uh, on the cost savings point, I can't imagine if you had to add a small explanation on the ballot about how the process or procedure takes place, that that's going to be uh, cost a lot of extra money to do that. I'd like to yield the rest of my time to Chuck O'Neill, who's much uh, better versed in this than I am. Thanks very much. Mr. John Rager. Good evening. 
I've been paying some attention to IRV and some of these voting uh, options that we have uh, that are in place in other places other than uh, Sacramento and, for that matter, other than in America. Um, I'd like to take some issue with some of the things that have been said earlier. This, quite frankly, is a vast improvement in our democracy. It allows people to vote their actual choice and back it up with a second choice that you might say uh, um, they vote their heart the first time and they vote their head the second time. It would, frankly, have saved us the Gore-Bush debacle that we uh, experienced a while back because the votes that went to uh, Ralph Nader and to... Um, uh, well, I forget the conservative uh, candidate's name on the other end, um, would have been reassigned upward in all probability, and we would have had a candidate with a 50% vote, first and second choice votes, and there would, we wouldn't have to gone through all that uh, hanging chad business. The cost savings, I think, are pretty evident in spite of what's been said. There's something that hasn't been said, and that is that this would reduce negative campaigning. Candidates would not only want to get the vote, the first choice vote of the electorate, but they would want to get the second choice vote of some of these elector of some of the other candidates' supporters too. So it would cut down on the negative campaigning because they wouldn't be quite so eager to tear apart their opponents. And this is not rocket science. This has been happening in other places, and it's been tried, as you saw, in uh, Minnesota and other places around here. We don't have to reinvent this wheel. Um, it's no, no problem there. The, herb, or the, uh, the candidate Jew in San Francisco business has been trotted out a lot as an uh, example of one of the problems of IRV. But quite frankly, we get bad candidates in any election. And so I don't think that we can see this as a, as a purely IRV or ranked choice voting issue. And as to third parties... It would actually strengthen third parties, I believe, because it would allow people to vote for their third party choice, whether it's a libertarian or a Green Party or Peace and Freedom or whatever, and back it up with a vote for the Republican or Democrat of their, of their choice uh, in the hopes that uh, if their first choice was knocked off the ballot, their second choice would really help to uh, swing the election in the direction that they personally want. So I believe that those are really strong vote, uh, reasons for you to support IRV in whatever form you choose to do. Thank you. And finally, Mr. O'Neill. Thank you. I'd like to point out that I got two more supporters here who didn't fill out their form. <laughs> uh, we have our detractors, and uh, I don't agree with, with much of anything they say. Uh, the issue with Ed Jew, that could have happened in any kind of election. The fact that you don't have that second period to take the time, the, the campaign consultants don't like that because guess what happens to those campaign fees that you're going to pay those consultants if you only have one election? So they come up with this, this thing about Ed Jew. In that election, the fact is that there was one white man running in an Asian district. And there were several Asians running. So the Asian voters split their vote among the Asians. And then in the process, the, the Asian voters that got the fewest votes were eliminated. And Ed Jew, who was the most popular Asian, won the election, not the white guy. So people were upset by that. And then they discovered sometime later that Ed Jew uh, 
wasn't as clean as they thought he was. But they could have looked at that. There weren't that many candidates where the opponents couldn't have looked at the qualifications of each of the planet, uh, candidates. My impression is that when you have that period, supposedly to take a second look at the candidate, it turns out to be very negative campaigning. And the theory shows that if you only have two people running, your best bet is to campaign negatively and get the opponent's uh, voters to not vote. And we see that happening all the time. People talk about, well, IRB doesn't always give you a majority. Well, first of all, those people that don't rank beyond three are abstaining. They're, what they're saying is, if I can't have my top three, then I don't care. Okay? But the other thing is... <coughs> um, uh, it will save money. It has saved money. San Francisco has paid for their election several times over. It has been adopted not only internationally, but nationally now as well. Minneapolis has had their first uh, ranked choice voting vote. Cambridge has been using it for years. Um, Oakland has, has agreed to use it besides San Francisco. San Leandro has agreed to use it. And um, Berkeley. Those are all in Alameda County. Alameda County equipment has now been approved by the Secretary of State. So uh, they can move ahead now. Uh, yes, got to get these uh, machines certified, and we got to get the manufacturers to make the machines that will do it, and that's a problem. But if we don't have cities and counties out there saying we want this, then the manufacturer is going to say there's not enough demand to do it, so I'm not going to do it. And it's kind of a, a chicken and egg kind of thing. So um, I appreciate your putting this in your recommendation. I do wish you had it emphasized that it saves money, saves money for the candidate, it saves money for the city in the long run. Yes, initially there's some extra costs. Uh, voters in San Francisco have, have liked this. The Asian voters were afraid of it. They didn't like it. They were against it. And now since they elected Ed Jew and some other people, they said, oh, this works. We, who were always getting, on a, with a plurality, getting a white man representing an Asian district, find out, oh, we can elect an Asian now. So I urge you to, to, to stick with your recommendation, and if anything, strengthen it. Thank you. Thank you. M Mr. LaFossa. Uh, thank you. Mr. Mr. O'Neill, I, I wanted to ask you a question. Sure. Um, and actually, before I uh, ask my question, I guess I'll say I'll, I'm sure it's not gone unnoticed to other members of the committee, that this is one of the issues that's generated um, some of the most robust public interest, and I appreciate the time that everyone has taken to address us and uh, email and comment and come here. But my question is, I'm, I'm a little confused about the number of rankings, and I've seen this example come up a couple times. Most of the systems, I thought, tend to have allow for three ranks, and I'm a little unclear as to whether you can get a situation where you can have a large number of candidates and still after ranking three candidates, which is to say two rounds of elimination, still not get to a majority. Are the systems responsive to a fraction of the number of candidates to make sure that mathematically you can always get to a majority? Or what happens if this, or is it impossible? Do you always get to a majority if you have three ranks? How does that work? Um, if you read the book, I gave you Amy Douglas's uh, ballot thing. Uh, 
Technically, from an academic point of view, there is no limit on the amount of candidates you can rank. You can rank as few or as many as you want. If you rank a few, what you're saying is, if I can't have one of these few, then I don't care what the, about the rest of it. That's an abstention for the rest of those candidates. But I'm not asking but, for the vantage point of the voter. I'm asking for the vantage point of the system, which is to say if you only have five slots yes. on the ballot, you can only rank five people, even though the voter could choose to only rank What's, three. What, yes. What happened in San Francisco was that they, ha they had limitations on the equipment that they were using, the Sequoia equipment, and the only way they could implement it at that time several years ago was to limit the choices to three. So, yes. In that case, what happens is you might want to rank four or five, but you can't. You're limited to three. Experience has shown that there are very few what they would call ex expired ballots, ballots where the first three choices lost and they couldn't rank a fourth, so then their vote just doesn't count anymore. Some of that happens, but it's fairly minor, they have found in San Francisco. And to that extent, then that can cause what, what we're saying is that, oh, gee, there was a number of people voted. Uh, the candidate didn't get half of the elections because some of those people who voted, their balance expired and their ballot didn't count. But that's fairly minor. And if we have good equipment, then that won't happen at all because we'll allow people to rank as, as many as they want. So it's not a limitation of the system. It's a limitation of the equipment that keeps it at three. Did I answer your question? Uh, you, let me, so let me just give you the, the other side of the coin. If you had equipment that accommodated it, would it have made sense to have 83 rankings in the, in the recall? Would it make sense? Have, would it have made sense to have 83 choices of rankings in the recall, assuming we had IRV when we did the recall in 2003? Well, if you're using the system and you had 83 candidates, then you would have to, theoretically, you should allow for eight people to rank 83. As a practical matter, most of those candidates were jokes. I mean, nobody was going to vote, or very few people were going to vote for the call girl in Long Beach, I think it was, or whatever. And you know, you know she beat Bill Simon, the guy who ran against Bill Simon. Oh, excuse me, Gray Davis the year before. Well, I take that back. But there were a whole host of candidates that you knew weren't going to run. And so if you were serious about your vote, you're going to vote for the three or four top candidates. Uh, and so I don't see that as an issue. You don't have to, and he's talking about some kind of iteration where, you know, you got to count all these over and over and over again. No, you don't. You count the first choices, and the one with the fewest votes are eliminated, and then you transfer those votes and so on. So you've got 83, well, less than 80, 82 uh, candidates that are going to get eliminated, and those votes get transferred probably just once. Most of them. And so, you know, he can calculate his mathematical uh, probabilities, and I'm sure, I think he's a mathematician, he's probably correct on that. But as a practical matter, that's not what happens. Thank you so much. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Chuck. Anything else? Okay. Um, Anything else on this number? We can move on to item five where we're going to talk about, or four, I mean, um, where we're going to talk about the um, decision-making process um, unless there's any objection. Okay, let's move to item number four. And um, 
Mark, I thought we took action on the ethics issue last time. There was not a formal vote. However, there seemed to be committee consensus on the issue. And for a summary of uh, the committee's discussion, it would probably be appropriate to jump to the attachment um, on agenda item number six, which is the draft supplemental report number two. And on page three of that document, at the bottom of that page, is a draft committee recommendation in which the committee's discussion essentially uh, concluded that um, the committee was interested in and believed that the issues of ranked choice voting and, and ethics commission um, deserved additional study. Um, the committee discussed the idea of recommending to the city council that they create a task force for each of those issues and provide a minimum of six months, if not a year, for those task forces to adequately study each of those issues and develop recommendations for the council. I think that's correct. Um, but And the question was, in, on item number four, is there any further discussion on the ethics issue? We spent uh, some time on that at the last meeting, or should we just move on to... Um, the ranked choice voting issue. Okay, we have some handouts. Um, Alan, why don't you, um, you have uh, an outline and some comments on this issue, so why don't you take the lead on here? Uh, sure. Um, I spent a fair amount of time over the weekend digesting all the stuff we looked at in the spring, and uh, actually, uh, Mr. O'Neill, I put the book you gave us down when the city council changed our timeline, and I read the bulk of it this past weekend, and uh, it was very helpful, and I appreciate it, particularly although when understanding Cambridge, which I know is no longer before us. Um, but I guess I had thought uh, – we spent some time in July discussing how much we were going to try to get accomplished before we sunsetted and how much we were going to punt. And borrowing from a phrase that Mr. Tapio used in another – uh, context, I wanted us to do as much as we could to show our work and give as much as we could in terms of giving some framework for the task force, however it looks, to make their decision. And to cut to the chase, I guess I think there's basically three levels of ways of looking at this. Question one, is it going to improve the quality of the, of the election system? There's a lot, of, and candidly, there are a lot of claims, and I had seriously considered writing minority reports saying, let's just recommend this, but I couldn't sort through the claims and decide that I firmly believe that there's evidence that ranked choice voting reduces negative campaigning or eliminates uh, uh, wasted votes or uh, uh, reduces the cost of campaigning and leads to greater participation and all the other claims. The second level is, as discussed here tonight, we received a lot of comments and email pointing to a lot of statistical aberrations that lead to potentially perverse results. And I wanted to spend some time trying to understand what was a way of getting one's head around to evaluate those. And I learned some cool words over the weekend, including monotonicity and condorcet, which reading some columns discussing some of the aberrations that are in our comments uh, specifically one that occurred in Aspen, Colorado, including one very basic one that uh, our county's registrar showed us back in uh, 
in July. But to try to get a much better framework of figuring out are, are these statistical aberrations that one can point to to find some outlying example to say that the system's not perfect, or are these actual aberrations that are likely to frequently occur and can really be pointed to as, as, as indicating that the systems are fundamentally flawed? Um, we've had a lot of examples given to us, but we haven't a lot of analytical framework given to us. And lastly, the third level of discussion, I think, is after you decide, if you decide, that it's a good system because it improves, and then you've rigorously analyzed it, determined that it doesn't reduce, produce the kind of perverse results that uh, detractors point to, then the question is, what's the equipment? What are the implementation costs? How many sister jurisdictions would one recommend go in with us to spread the cost? And I thought it would be, it would move the ball down the field, as it were, if we laid out in our recommendations um, some of these benchmarks of analysis. Uh, and I will candidly say the last part I kind of left out in the, in, the, in the outline is, I don't know if this task force, we contemplate it being a, a narrower citizens group with maybe some uh, very technically oriented Sacramento State professors who can explain what a Condorcet criterion is, um, or it would be more elections officials and uh, people working with Shirley in the clerk's office uh, more from an internal uh, implementation sense. I'll, I'll, I'll defer that to the committee on that. But anyway, th th this was the, the, the thinking that I brought to the outline that I produced, and this is the approach I hope we would take. Okay, any committee response to that? Joanne? Um, I really appreciate the seriousness with which um, Member LaFaso has looked into this. And I, um, you know, I think it's, um, I, I think the, the challenges that you outlined for IRV and for the additional information that we would need to go forward are uh, right on target. So I would support this. Ms. Hastings. I concur completely with Joanne. I, this is an excellent analysis, Alan, and it's a tremendous amount of work. I really appreciate it and help bring back and focus a lot of these things we talked about before. I do want to encourage uh, further development of the last thing that you said, which is possibly in our recommendation to the council be more uh, specific about the type of task force, because you just presented two situations that are completely different. And um, given your understanding of this, I'd be, and uh, your time you spent this weekend on this, uh, I'd be curious if you would develop those comments a little bit further and tell us exactly what you think about that, the two different approaches you talked about on the committee. Or maybe a combination of those two approaches might be best. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Newland. Uh, I likewise congratulate you on the report. If uh, an appendectomy would help me be that bright, I'd go in and try one. <laughs> Uh, I'm still about where I was last time, however, that the timing right now is difficult for all of the issues we've dealt with. There's just too much anger, too much stress, etc. And that leads me to conclude 
that I owe great thanks to those who worked on this draft report and the conclusion that suggests that uh, we would recommend that the council consider two different groups at a later time to take up both the voting issue and the ethics issue. So in short, uh, I suspect that the city has too much on its agenda right now to be dealing with all of these many issues. And as we concluded at our last meeting, the ethics issue is a big one. An ethics commission merits a lot of consideration. Voting does also. But uh, we have too many problems upsetting people as of the moment. These are issues that need to be dealt with probably after 2010. Anybody else? Okay, I, I agree, Alan. My, my sense on the last issue is um, the specific uh, skill sets of the task force should probably be a combination. You'd, you'd want people, college professors, mathematicians, and, and so on, but you'd also want, I think, uh, the skill sets of, of those people would have to actually implement this, which would be the city clerks and county clerks and so on. So I, I would I would think it'd be a multi-skill um, task force, actually on each subject matter. You're talking. <clears throat> I think our report implies that they would be two separate task force. One would focus on the ethics issue, and the other focus on the IRV issue. Am I right on that? Okay. Um, okay. I think um, at this point. Um, is there any disagreement with what Alan has said on the committee at this point? Okay. I, what I'd like to suggest uh, is that if Alan would be willing to work with his little committee, which I guess consists of uh, John himself and Cecily was on that before. You still on there? You're back on it. Yeah. Okay. Um, to try to to help Mark put that in final form for his report, uh, that would be helpful, I think. Would you be willing to do that? Thank you, sir. I appreciate and, that. And Chair Edgar, uh, between the last meeting and this time meeting, we've also had Member Fuller assisting us with that report. Oh, that's right. She ag agreed to be in that group, too. Excuse me, Joanne. That's great. Okay. Um, I think with with that, uh, unless Mark, you need some more, we we would essentially <coughs> want the drafting committee to take your report and essentially beef it up with the kind of comments that Alan is is uh, suggested here with the help of it. Can you coordinate that? I can, and on this agenda item, what we'll, what's, what staff is uh, seeking is your formal vote on these two issues. And so we'll need you to take a position this evening to then incorporate, once we get to agenda item six and discuss that, we will incorporate your final decision into that final report and work with this subcommittee to help. Yeah, I, that I, what I'm saying is that I think the decision will be made um, essentially delegating the, the details of the final writing to that committee. Um, yes, okay. Um, 
Mr. Murphy. Well, that may be premature. Are, are we going to talk about the content of that report subsequently here? Yes. I have a comment on that before it goes to the committee. Oh, no. We're, actually, we're talking about item number four yeah. at okay. this point, which will then be discussed in more formal terms at the uh, number five. Or I guess number six. I think we're going to vote on the issue when we get there. Okay, let's move on to item number five um, on the sunset. The way I'm thinking about doing this is the substance of number four and substance of item number five will be discussed with the final vote in the draft supplemental report, and we're going to essentially take what we've um, discuss tonight and allow the drafting committee to proceed with the final report. Okay, the, uh, we're on item number five on the sunset issue, and what I'd like to get a sense of the committee as to where we are on this. Um, I think some of us have decided to, there are several choices listed in this report, um, retain the sunset, request an extension for some duration, or request that the City Council approve a committee kind of sunset or recess until after the election. Um, and uh, at this point, I'd, I'd kind of like to get a sense of where the committee is. Uh, we talked about that a little bit uh, last time, but I want to make sure that where we are having had you think about it a little bit. So, uh, John? Um, as I think I said last time, I would favor allowing it to sunset on, what is it, January 29th, according to the terms of the original resolution? 26th. 26th, okay. It's January 26th or the submittal of our final supplemental report, which is every earlier, and that's going to take place on the 19th. Okay, consistent, consistent with that? Yes. Okay. And Chris? I agree. Okay. This is the only thing that Chris and I have agreed to the entire time, I think. <laughs> That's not true, but anyway. Um, Dr. Newland? Yes, I'm where John is. Okay. And where Chris is. Okay. Uh, Mr. Murphy? The same. Okay. Uh, Jay? Okay. Joanne? Uh, in terms of the, uh, the committee taking a recess, um, I'm, uh, I know that there are several members on the committee that have already said that they will not be available. And so it seems that uh, there would be a new committee being formed anyway. And should, uh, so we shouldn't take that option. Um, and um, I am not able to continue. And I would also say that we should uh, sunset. Okay. Mm -hmm. Cecily? Um. First, I just want to ask a question, and I'm sorry I'm a little disorganized here tonight, but someplace was the, there was something I saw today that had listed the three options. Yeah, that's what in is, what is report that number five. Number five discussion. Well, that, that's probably sitting on my printer, so, okay. <laughs> Thank probably. you. 
I knew I'd seen it. I just didn't print it out. Um, I, I guess I want to move to uh, the um, submission that Alan uh, did on where do we go from here in terms of charter review. Um, I think this is an excellent um, piece of work. Alan goes to the top of the class this weekend. Um, and I've, I would like to uh, work on um, editing this somewhat, and, but I think that it addresses a lot of the issues that I had expressed at previous meetings about um, the lack of completeness of the work that we were asked to do and the product we were able to produce. And uh, so given the light that there doesn't seem to be a majority of people interested in extending, even for an additional couple of meetings, I'd like to uh, focus on the, the committee reviewing this document that Alan wrote on where do we go from here and refining it to include some of these outstanding issues that we never did get a chance to address and the timing issues and things that I think in many ways compromised a uh, us from doing a complete job. Okay, I think that w we can take that up under item six because that I think he, what he's recommending is that we um, include that as part of our final supplemental report. Um, somehow include that as a paragraph regarding the sunset item in that report. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Um, okay, and Ellen, where are you on this? Um, I'm uh, I vote for option three, but since I'm rank choicing my voting, knowing <laughs> that I was going to lose, <laughs> um, I did think that if we we're going to sunset, that sunsetting, that, that speaking our mind as we walk out the door, uh, was uh, the better part of valor. And uh, I, I do think that there's much to say about the future regardless of whether this committee itself is doing it. Um, this issue was bigger than our committee. And uh, in essence, what I wrote was uh, that there ought to be greater engagement with the people and it ought to be open-ended in terms of a empirical approach to solving problems. And... Um, I hope you'll give it consideration, and that's that. Okay. Okay, I, I think everyone is aware of my position on this. I think we ought to let the sunset take place. Uh, and um, so I think we have a pretty good majority to uh, move that forward. What I'd like to do now is move toward item six, or move to item six, and begin, um, we are going to vote on this report with the understanding that the specific language would be turned over to the writing committee and would come back to us at what meeting, Mark? This will be your final meeting on Tuesday, January 5th. And okay. then that document, the transmittal of the report number two, will be presented to the city council on Tuesday, January 19th. Okay. So uh, between now and January, what'd you say, 5th? January 5th. January 5th, we'll have a 
the writing committee kind of get together and, and I should clarify that a bit because just in looking at the schedule that staff needs in order to prepare for that council meeting I believe the deadline we were looking at was December 28th for an internal completing the draft submitting that to the city clerk's office and making sure that that gets posted online um, 72 hours in advance okay so we got a, some work to do pretty quick here over the holidays here okay mr. Murphy well, just going to the report itself, there's, I wasn't here last time, so I'm not quite sure part of the discussion, although I watched it. Right above the committee recommendation on the last page, there's a paragraph states, while the committee members have great confidence in the staffs of the office of the city clerk and the city attorney, there is not clear, currently a clear way for whistleblowers with inside information and so on. I just don't agree with that. And so as the drafters are looking at that, uh, it wouldn't cause me to vote against this report for majority, but I don't think that's true in terms of their ability to go to the city attorney or go to the DA or go to the FPPC under existing law, um, as well as some other statutes. So just a comment. Uh, secondly, um, I too, Alan, really appreciate the discussion on uh, the voting. Uh, what you convinced me is we can't address this in the short hour if I didn't have that thing uh, uh, already in my mind. However, as much as I agree with the last statement that you put out and that you're going to look at and do this and, and frankly probably would have a lot of the same things to say, I have a considerable discomfort about this type of discussion appearing in a formal report of this Charter Commission. I can discuss that with you offline, but if very much of this charter review discussion showed up in the final report, then I would have significant problems of how I voted. It's not a question of disagreement so much as a question of the propriety in this commission's report. Thank you. Okay, I, I think we're going to have to, you know, in order to give the drafting committee a little, Bob, could you elaborate on that a little bit? Just. Uh, I will not be offended. Please feel free to speak. Sure. Uh, it seems to me, quite honestly, it takes a position on the ultimate charter vote. Um, it's, it's quite, I, th I find some uh, statements in here uh, that as a opponent of the charter thing, I agree with. I'm just not sure that that's fair for the commission to be making it. And I've already, just in the 10 minutes, I, I want to be really careful. I've had 10 minutes or less to read this, and that's not a fair t a thing to do to critique it. But I found myself quickly crossing out certain sentences of paragraphs uh, as being uh, slightly overreaching from what I thought the commission's role was, given the commission already gave a report on the governance issue. Well, let's see. Um, I think... Um, Bob, it might be helpful if, if you, when you have a chance to um, clarify your comments to the point where, you know, we can get, give it to the drafting committee, could you kind of put them down so we can include them or revise the work a little bit? Or do you want to, how do you want to do that? Well, about what I don't want to do is have the report come back and there are all these, you know, kind of, uh, overarching issues that are raised. 
Well, I can, I can provide my comments to the committee. I'm, I've ha as I said, I'm not willing to do that here and now. You haven't seen this for 10 minutes. Okay. I can give you my general reaction. And frankly, I'm hoping others will speak to it so I can hear their positions okay. as well. Okay. Uh, Mr. Taylor. Yeah, I'm going to ask if Alan could walk us through these two things and what he thought would go into the final report. Because I do agree with Bob. I, I think some of this uh, goes a little bit further than where we would may want to go in the report. And I know you didn't intend it to be wholesale put in the report. So if we could walk through what out of these two documents you think would go into the report, maybe that helps the discussion. Now, you're talking about the outline as well as I, As I understood it, both of these are contemplated to go into the report, right? That, that is correct. Yes. Just, just a sense of what you thought out of this would go into the report. Oh. Cecily? Do you want to say something? In direct answer to your question, I envisioned the outline on IRV to be an expanded narrative that would substantially uh, amplify what Mr. Prestwich wrote. And, yeah, it would probably be four pages by the time it was written out in narrative form so that what we wrote on IRV or ranked choice voting would be much more involved than the paragraphs that are proposed now. And in my better world, I would have written it out, written the narrative and brought it today, but I only got so much work done over the weekend. And that is intended to show uh, an outline of what we looked at so that the next group could pick up off of that outline? What, what's the purpose of putting it in there? Um, I would say a little bit more of my preferred synthesis of what, uh, of an analytical framework for further examining the issue that would lay out considerations to, frankly, from my, my principal purpose is to emphasize how much work the committee invested in this issue, even though it was beyond our ability, largely related to the timing issues that we've all discussed okay. ma many times. It, it seems to me appropriate to include an outline, I think it go go as an outline, which is a suggested work program for the next body. Isn't that your intent here? I, I, as, opposed I suppose, to, as opposed to a narrative? I'm, I, yeah. I'm, is that what you intend, Alan? Well, I envisioned it ultimately as a narrative because I think that, I mean, for example, um, rather than list ad nauseum the examples of bad outcomes that we received in the comments, none of the commentators that have given us those potential bad outcomes have given us any analytical framework to evaluate whether those uh, variations on the mechanics of ranked choice voting are likely or unlikely to occur. I have read assertions that, yes, theoretically this can happen, but as a practical matter it is statistically so unlikely it will not occur. I am not in a position to evaluate that. My viewpoint is that that is the kind of thing that you would want a couple quantitatively oriented political science professors right. on the task force to look at. Yeah. Again, my point here is pointing the way and that there is an analytical framework to address those issues, but we ourselves lack the tools and the time to do that. But, but it, it can be done. It, it seems to me this works best as an outline. I mean, if I were to come onto that group or be a council member yeah. and looking at what should be looked at, I mean, this took us, what, three meetings, four meetings to come up with it? 
And I, it, I think it takes the work, pro the work that we did, and particularly that you've done on this so well, Alan, and allows that then to be handed off to the next group. I think that gets lost potentially in a narrative. You know, it, as I think about it, it's probably easier to write as an outline, so I probably ought to acquiesce because it's probably less work for me. So, okay. okay. <laughs> so if, if we take and we look at this as an outline of a, a work product uh, handoff, of a outline as to what that group might do. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Can we talk about the, this sure. one, too? Go ahead. And, and that, that, the, the second piece is, comes from a much different vantage point. And clearly from the, from the commentary, um, uh, I'll risk putting words in her mouth, but Ms. Hastings and I share a view that there are things yet to be done. And certainly, given the fact that having this kind of statement in our report isn't something we contemplated, I knew it wasn't reasonable to ask the committee to consider this unless it at least had a draft to read this evening. Um, I think given some of the comments we've heard thus far, the draft may go places in its discussion that some members don't want to go, and I respect that. So maybe if we're going to continue discussing this item, a better a framework of our further discussion in the next couple of minutes might be, does the committee want to leave any final comments about the future of charter reform that are perhaps not exactly what I wrote, or do we just not want to do that, in which case we're done? Or alternatively, if we are interested in that, then... Is, the, is, is what I wrote mostly acceptable or marginally acceptable or whatever? Uh, it seems to me that this goes beyond the tentative recommendation which deals with a task force for ethics and a task force for voting. And this is kind of like continuation of this. This is a, a third subject. Well, this is, this is a postscript to a committee that met for nine months that is being sunsetted right. and is saying... The, the work is not complete. That, I mean, it, 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 is, it is a statement on our... Excuse, excuse yeah, my, yeah. Yeah, he, he. I thought he was going off to have a baby born. I had to leave a meeting when one of ours was born, oh. so it kind of reminded me of doing well, it. Well, if it's good I was, news, I was actually introducing somebody when the buzzer went off. Okay, yeah. I blew the introduction altogether. But, I, I mean, excuse I, me. I did not mean it to... It's not a recommendation, and it's not intended to... It's not intended to... Uh, uh, function like a recommendation, nor is it intended to speak to some distinct part of the resolution. But I, I guess my overall opinion is that we're wrapping up work that began in early in early April. Um, the, the 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 nature of the dynamic within which we worked ultimately resulted in our work product being choppy not by our own design, but by the design of the circumstances that have occurred since April. And I, I thought it was a worthwhile exercise for the committee to leave putting its eight months of work in some kind of context. And if individuals are warm to making some kind of postscript statement about our our work as a whole, then perhaps it's a worthwhile exercise, even if what we would say might be slightly different. But again, um, 
I felt strongly enough about it that I knew that it was not reasonable to ask the committee to undertake this unless it had at least a real draft in front of it. And I defer to the wishes of my colleagues. So th this would be a standalone third third component of a report? It would be a postscript. Okay. Uh, Dr. Newland. Uh, may I return to Bob Murphy's concerns? Because I think they're quite reasonable. At our last meeting, we did discuss the merits of the excellent electronic version of all the integrity and ethics provisions that the city of Sacramento already has. And I noted, for example, that I've kept that 70-plus page document in my electronic file so that I can share it with all sorts of students and other people, and I've already done that. And I think one of our suggestions last time was that because that work's already been done, because it is quite impressive and helpful, that maybe it could be posted in two or three places for the city, like either from the attorney's office and the clerk's office. We did note that eventually, if we manage to get a person in on the new auditor uh, budget officer, that that would be a place to post such information. But I think that may get to part of Bob's concerns, is when we get to a sentence where it says, well, the committee members have great confidence in staffs and offices, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I think if they saw that 70-page thing, they'd already have a lot of confidence, enormous confidence. And as uh, Tina and John both noted last time, it's not just my students who already know all that stuff and use it. Everybody who's in the business seriously knows it and uses it. We started it in 1964. We accelerated it in 1978. It has come to consume all of us. And those good officers of government to work with me would be out of office or in jail if they didn't know them. So now back to the key point. We do need to brag about the city when it merits being bragged about. And we ought to go ahead and brag about that and recommend it ought to be posted and available to people. Now back to the Ethics Commission concern. A lot of that is on elections and so on. And that is where a lot of the election commissions are helpful. But we might also want to note what Chris noted last time, that anyone who has worked elections and has a question can call over to the state and usually they'll respond within two or three hours with very clear answers. So we shouldn't give the impression to people who are busy doing other things in their life that these matters are not being attended to. They're being attended to extremely quickly, responsively, by both the state and the city of Sacramento. And I had one other item from last time. As Bill Edgar noted, sure, even one has the best of all provisions of law, Something will go wrong. Someone will either uh, slip a plot of land from one to another, but we shouldn't assume the whole city is falling apart when one item goes wrong. Partly it's just a matter of uh, a person maybe innocently making errors or sometimes at fault. But because newspapers and others will only play up the fault and will never note these other merits of what exists, we at least should say so as Bob notes. So I'd recommend we uh, make those fairly clear. Ms. Hastings. Um, I'd like to make a comment on uh, the, the report, supplemental report. 
um, regarding the ethics uh, recommendation. We had talked at our last meeting about the fact that we have, you know, these all these different um, ethics uh, guidelines at this point, but that there isn't any place where where an average person can go actually find what those are. And one of the things we had talked about was including it in the city clerk's website in a way that could be more transparent to the public is kind of an immediate step. And I'm wondering, I don't see any reference to that in this report, and I'd like to see that included. I think, I mean, this thing's going to get shelved anyways for a while. At least there could be some immediate thing that we recommend that would help the situation out, even just from the perspective of the average Joe having information on the web to find this. Okay, that, that's my comment on that. Um, I want to get back to the uh, Alan's um, where do we go from here. Um, originally, Alan and I had discussed, since we were really in the minority of anyone on the committee that wanted had any interest in continuing uh, beyond our sunset, and I had suggested to Alan the possibility of he and I preparing a minority report, and that I think that may be where this um, document came from. Would you say maybe? I mean, we, we, we didn't make a plan to do it. We just talked about it because I remain frustrated that we just issue our report and that's the end of that and that there is no mention on behalf of our committee that our, our work isn't complete, we didn't have time, and that, that we really haven't, in, haven't done this issue the justice that it deserves. So, um, you know, to be honest, Bob, you know, I appreciate your comments but I don't understand them. And I'm just going to say that as clearly as I can. You're an attorney. I'm not. I don't you, understand. You just said three things I could agree with. <laughs> that we didn't have time, we didn't get through the whole thing, and we, it takes more time. Those three things are fine. This goes way beyond that. Okay. Well, this is just the first draft. I haven't even, I just read it this afternoon, to be honest. And, um, you know, I, I see it formatted a little bit differently. I, I'd see it having some headings to make it, you know, a little easier to read. To, 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 maybe the headings could be those three items that you just talked about. Um, and I, I do think, um, I think it's worth pursuing. Another option might be to only have the committee members sign this that are comfortable signing it. And then it gets attached to the report. That way, if anyone feels they're being compromised for some reason, we're taking these positions or making these type of statements. They don't have to. Is that an option, Chair Edgar? Um, I don't think that's a good option, to be honest with you. I, I think um, we, we need to have either a postscript or an introduction to this final report saying, basically, there's still a lot of things left to be done. There's still some details that we haven't gotten to. And this is where we are. And if, in fact, it turns out that after the election or sometime later, another committee is appointed to pick up where we left off, this is kind of what we've done. And we would set, you know, kind of the bar at this level and let the new group go on from there. And I think that's appropriate. But 
What I, I don't want our postscript to say, it sound like is sour grapes, and that is we're kind of mad and this is kind of our last statement and goodbye and slam the door. I don't, I don't want to give um, the impression that we're mad at anybody. I mean, this is the fact of the matter is this is just what it is. Um, you know, we're going into a, as Dr. Nolan indicated, a very um, um, aggressive, um, volatile campaign, and it's not the time to be have our work continue while it's being overshadowed by the campaign. Um, and so we need to sunset, and then whatever happens. After June, we need, someone needs to take it up from there. And I think what it would be good to say is this is kind of what we've done and this is where we are, kind of as John Taylor indicated. This is the um, um, work plan uh, handoff. Uh, and we've, you know, we've set the, the work plan for what needs to be done in IRV for the new task force, and this is what it's going to have to be done for uh, the Ethics Commission. And generally speaking, there are other issues, too, that need to be dealt with. And so I'm kind of looking at this as a, a statement of where we are, and for those that are coming later, here's where you ought to start. But not... not um, Anything negative, I guess, is what I'm saying. Uh, Joanne. I'm not advocating being negative, and I'm not <laughs> mad at anyone. No, but somebody talked about, uh, you know, kind of uh, our parting comments, and I, you know, raised the issue of, a, you know, mad spouse walking out the door and slamming the door or something like that. And I, that's what I didn't want to have happen. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Joanne. <clears throat> I, uh, these are all useful comments, and I, uh, you know, I think the committee will take them seriously and look at the draft. Um, um, I was comfortable with what um, Member LaFasso wrote, um, but it's you know good to hear feedback. The, in terms of the uh, that actual that sentence that um, Mr. Murphy referred to about the uh, clear way for whistleblowers, that was actually my sentence. So I apologize for uh, not being clear. Uh, the, the clear way that I was looking for is uh, follows on uh, Ms. Hastings' comments of there being a whistleblower out there that has some information but doesn't know where to go, and that would be the clear way. So I, I can see how that's uh, not, a, not good writing. It's not clear writing, and um, I'll go back and uh, see if we can't reword that. But the idea was to, um, to follow up on Ms. Hastings' comments around people that don't know how this works and don't, uh, wouldn't know to start calling up state or city offices. Yeah, I, I think uh, Bob didn't have the advantage of being at our last meeting, but it really related to after we heard the staff presentation of the, you know, all of the training, all of the material mm -hmm. that's available, there still needs to be someone 
designated mm-hmm. as kind of the gatekeeper, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and whether it's yeah. because we have really a triumvirate of we have three people, three c- charter officers mm-hmm. who coordinate this. It's the city attorney, the city clerk, and the, and the city manager who work together to do all this training, make sure everybody knows. But there's still needs for people in the organization, people outside the organization to know, okay, it's somebody, Sally Smith, is the person that you talk to if you got questions about this. And I think I think the staff agreed with that, and, and that's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. I just disagree with it. <laughs> it's that simple. <laughs> I work with it all the time mm-hmm. in a thousand cities. That's an overstatement. And watch a significant number of cities in the state work with it with the same situation very, very effectively. Mm-hmm. I would just disagree with the statement. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's just one person's point. Mm-hmm. John. Yeah. Uh, this has been discussed already, but I think the point on, on that portion that you raised, Bob, was the ordinary citizen might not, not understand where to go. We'll get that in there as we work this through. Are we going to add a provision in here which says the posting of the 70-odd pages, or is that going to get put into the recommendation, Mark? I hope so. I think, can we kind of sure. say that that goes in there? Does that work? Sure. I'm just trying to get the loose ends here. Yeah, no, so that's we can good. We draft this and, and, and get it done. Now, on Alan's second piece that we talked about, my concern, Bill, was the same as yours, the not wanting to have a pardoning shot of negativity, particularly in light of what Chet has said is going on and, and stirring this up in, in some fashion, which um, I don't think would be particularly useful. But what I think we can do with this, this works for everybody, is let the drafting committee take a, a shot at it on about two, maybe three paragraphs, so we keep it relatively short, Pick out the points which, and I put it under the category of observations and lessons learned, which is, again, consistent with the handoff theme. I'll tell you, one thing that struck me as we got done, we started here months and months ago talking about the problems. And if I were to do this again, I would want to spend a lot more time talking about what the problems, almost doing the outreach to the problems before we started. That's the kind of stuff that you learn as you go through it. Maybe have that. So if there's a, a desire to resurrect this after June 8th, depending upon what happens, that there will be some roadmap for the next group. Does that kind of work? And then we'll pull out of, out of what you have, Alan, the, the relevant lessons and observations, many of which deal around identification of problems as I read it. I'll, I'll provide this markup to whoever wants it. <laughs> Does that work for everybody? Alan? Um, short answer, yes, and I agree with everything you said, John. In fact, um, I, I, I had hoped not to write a minority report, and I did. I thought of that, but really my goal was to stimulate a discussion like this. And I'm before John laid out his his couple comments, I was already ready to scale it back down based on the comments that you and Mr. Murphy and 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 Mr. Edgar have said. So p- candidly. Um, I, I, this is the discussion I wanted to stimulate, and if the committee is uh, happy to embrace a much different postscript, then, in my opinion, I accomplished my goal this evening, and I appreciate the discussion. And I assume that was somewhat your intent at the outset. You just kind of indicated that, but your title here, where do we go from here, suggests what the observations lessons are for, for the community. Okay, here's my suggestion, um, Mark. I don't think we ought to vote tonight. 
I, I think we've given direction to the writing committee and the staff to kind of assemble this and that our vote will take place uh, uh, at our next meeting. So make sure that we have the right language on the agenda so Matt doesn't get upset. Okay. We'll coordinate. With Mr. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> okay. Um, is that enough on this issue? Do we have enough direction to the staff? Mark, do you feel comfortable that? Okay. And you're going to be working with John, Alan, and Cecily, and uh, Joanne. Okay. All right. Um, are there any public items? Do we have any members? Yeah, of the no. no. Okay. Um, committee ideas? Okay. We already had a lot of ideas. No, no, no. We're adjourned. Thank you.